it's that time again. It's time for another episode of the 3-in-1 Podcast. Joining us from Cleveland, Ohio, give it up for international Ian Lamont Morgan. Yes, yes, y'all. And you don't stop. What's going on? (laughs) And joining us from the Nasty Natty, Cincinnati, Ohio, give it up for Keith Turner Jr. What is happening, everybody? What's going on? Hopefully all is well with all of you. What's up, brothers? What's going on? What's happening, man? And back home in the capital city, Columbus, Ohio, it's your boy, Malcolm Morgan. How's everybody doing today? Man, I'm telling y'all, life is crazy. Life is hectic right now. I'm telling y'all, if only y'all knew what I was thrown today with my whole move with the townhouse and so many things and the place that we had was supposed to be available and people still living in it won't be available now so much is going on but hey we're hanging in there fellas so hopefully y'all y'all's day was better than mine man i have nothing to adequately follow that up but i'm doing good (laughs) man my life is so great right now no it's okay it's not crazy it's all good well i'm here with you guys so everything is going great it's all good it's all good so we're going to dive into these topics today. Um, NBA free agency is still in swing. It's kind of slowing down a little bit. We have NBA Summer League, some transactions still to be had. But we're going to start off with one of the bigger headlines or one of the bigger pieces still on the board. Carmelo Anthony um, yep. awaiting his buyout or stretch or trade and then wave um, from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, you know, whatever you want to say about Melo, he's still quite an accomplished player who could still fill it up, um, in spurts. Um, we're hearing a lot of rumblings about some teams that he might be playing with, but where do you guys see him landing when it all is said and done? At the end of the day, Malcolm, uh, if Houston does not get Carmelo, they are in trouble. Um, I really think so. Um, and I'm sure we're going to get to, you know, Houston and, you know, their offseason moves. But I think, you know, I think they have to get him. Um, you know, Chris Paul, uh, you know, posted something not too long ago about running it back with Golden State. Um, and, of course, since they've gotten DeMarcus Cousins, they and the Rockets and they, and they lost Trevor Reza. Like, I, I got to see them getting Carmelo Anthony. Um bringing them a swing man who, you know, can still score. Um, I mean, of course, they need hoodie mellow, um, not just regular mellow, <laughs> um, in order for, you know, for them to have a shot now with the Warriors having deep cousins. But um, that's who I see them landing with. At first, I was thinking, okay, this could be an L.A. move. Uh, but seeing what Houston's done and the fact that, you know, Trevor Reese is gone, they did not, you know, end up getting him by Mute. So I'm thinking – it's gotta be. It's gotta be Houston. That's me, though. I agree. I mean, I don't. Not a whole lot of intrigue. Uh, apparently, Miami's in the mix. Yeah, uh, I know we we were, we we were calling for LA, and I think that would still make sense, um, as I think they are still a dynamic score short of actually yeah. being in position to make some type of actual noise, some type of top four, top three team in the West type noise. But uh, yeah, I agree. You know, Houston is a Houston is a good fit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not gonna be running nothing back because they didn't run Trevor back, and they didn't <laughs> run back. They didn't run anybody back to fill in some of those holes that they got, and we'll get to that. But uh, yeah, Melo. I mean, I just want to refocus everybody because I hear some people getting confused. If you don't think Carmelo is still Carmelo, like. The, the fit in OKC did not justify the amount of talent this man still has. He could still serve up a hot 25 in probably 20 minutes for you. Uh, now, it would be beneficial. It would behoove one Carmelo uh, Latroy Anthony if he would. Um, that's probably not his middle name. But, uh, I was about to say, Ian, you you always know the middle names, man. Nah, nah, I'll be making <laughs> these Johns up, up, man. It would be Hoove, Carmelo, Lee Anthony, Dontrell Anthony, <laughs> if he would decide 
to come off the bench and be a part of a second unit um, where he could be literally the bedrock of the bench. It would be a huge way for him to uh, uh, keep his star shining because I think Melo's one of those guys who still wants to be known and wants to be mentioned. Um, and I think he, he can still score at an elite level. Uh, but you just got to mix it up. You got to find a spot to come in and do what it is that worked. I think him and OKC um, with a coach maybe better than – never mind. Uh, him and OKC coming off the bench might have been a little bit fresher. But, uh, yeah, man, Houston works. L.A., I, st- I, I think it still makes sense. Miami is just where you go if you just want to kick it with D-Wade on more banana boats. I don't really see a reason for him to go there. Yeah, I uh man, I am I am not as optimistic about the Houston fit. Uh he doesn't fit and he doesn't fix any of the holes that they're missing. Um and we'll once again we'll talk about Houston in detail a little bit more, but um I'm just concerned about if he if he if he couldn't find a way to fit in in OKC, I don't know how he's going to find a way to fit in with A Mike D'Antoni, B James Harden, C Chris Paul. So a lot more um, shots. Uh, a lot more, yeah, a lot more opportunities. He ain't got a Russell Westbrook jacking up 50 shots a game. Uh, no, but you have James Harden jacking up that many shots. I mean, they're they're a very ISO-heavy team. And what he struggled with last year was shooting, not get, having the ball in his hand. And First of all, uh, Melo ISO at this part of his career is just not <laughs> what anyone needs. <laughs> I do not want to watch twenty five Melo ISOs. Oh boy! I mean, if, if that's what the, if that if that's what they're going to bring Melo in to do, Houston will be out of the second round. It's not even. <laughs> it's not even going to be funny. Um, I think LA would be a much better fit for him. Um, he could play with his boy LeBron, and it would also force him to not play the three. Um, well, I just don't think at this point of his career he can play anymore. Uh, we joked about this in our group chat, but uh, play Melo at the five. Because <laughs> um, he just can't, he doesn't have the same quickness and athleticism as he did in his prime, but he can still give you buckets. Um, and if you want to use him against um, bench threes, he could post those guys up. I, I just wish he would be more committed to rebounding and doing some of those more little things. Um, and let the offensive game kind of come to him because he ha- he has the skills to still be a good offensive player. But I think yeah. him, LeBron kind of feeding him the ball, him not having to play the three and guard threes, I think could extend his career a little bit. But in Houston, first of all, the fit with Mike D'Antoni just isn't great. No matter what they say, it didn't work the first time. And at this point, a more stubborn and less physically capable Melo, I think, is going to cause problems. <laughs> oh, man, Melo. Basically. Was this, is this Granddaddy Mello? We have Daddy LeBron and Granddaddy Mello. <laughs> I mean, he at least solves a, a a shooting problem that Houston currently has. So we know they we know they want to spread the floor and everything like that. And so I mean, he Carmelo can still shoot the rock at a high clip, especially. Well, if here's he's, my question: Is he a better shooter than Trevor Ariza? He's not a better shooter than Trevor Ariza, but he's Carmelo Anthony. He's a he's a better Thank scorer. You. That's he's a some good analysis than there. Trevor Reza. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying That's exactly good, good analysis. <laughs> That's exactly exactly <laughs> what Keith said is that he's still a better scorer than Trevor Reza. Now he's not yeah, taking sure. anybody off the dribble, but when but he doesn't you know, do anything else better than Ariza is the point I'm trying to make. He doesn't do anything else better on the defensive side of the ball. Absolutely not in every facet of scoring. Yeah, I take Melo every every day of the week. So whether that's yes. whether that's shot fake dribble pull up, I'm taking mellow. Whether it's open shot, I'm taking mellow. Whether it's I don't well, here's know, the, whether it's here's you know take we'll them down in the post, I'm still taking mellow. Here's how we'll transition to the Houston conversation. The reason Houston was able to take Golden State as far as they did is because they had interchangeable wings that they could throw on anybody one through four, one through four, one through five. Um, that we're going to defend, that we're going to rebound, that we're going to get after it. And Melo does not check any of those boxes. And so if their goal is to try to outscore <laughs> them with Carmelo Anthony, <laughs> uh, they're going to – this This is not a net game for this team. So them losing Luke Richard and Bayamute and Trevor Ariza, two of their primary on-ball perimeter defenders, and then you add in – you switch those out for Carmelo – 
if yeah. this was Carmelo of four years ago, we could justify it. But this is a diminished Carmelo who wasn't good at defense before and now just doesn't even have the physical capability <laughs> to do it. Um, and you put him in the series against Buckets. against the Golden State Warriors, and they're just going to light yeah, him man. up. So I want to invite the three and one listeners to uh, take a trip with me as we peel back the curtain on this operation and uh, just give you guys some insight into some of the inner workings. Um, I literally take these topics one at a time. So with that said, now that we're talking about the Rockets, um, oh, yeah, if they get mellow, they screwed. Uh, they, <laughs> <laughs> there's a, I mean, from the amount of ball stop that that's going to be to the amount of non-switchability I mean, in this severe critical mass level, mm-hmm. like it's it's so awful what that would look like. Imagine Carmelo Anthony trying to chase around Klay Thompson, and then oh then he's involved in the screen yep. with KD, and KD is just giving him the work of a lifetime. I mean, <laughs> he is giving him sweatshop work. I mean, it's 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 a <laughs> uh, so it's an ugly proposition, absolutely. Which is why I, I mean, we agree, Malcolm. He you know put him somewhere like L.A. Um, surround him with, I don't know, some, ah, God, anywhere, anywhere Melo goes, that's going to be an issue. What I'm saying is I think that the volume of, of buckets that he could give you can offset that. But Houston, you strike out with Ariza, you strike out with Luke and Bayamute, um, you know, I mean, and knowing how important your wing positions are to your whole operation and knowing how important Clint Capella is to your whole operation. And now you got him in limbo. He's looking for a hundred million. They want to give him around sixty. Which, if we're having this conversation in two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen, I'm with Houston all the way. You know, I'm thinking that Capella's tripping. But I mean, in this in this climate, and with the numbers he was putting up, with the the usage rate, with the the way that he was finishing, the way that he took on other bigs. Remember what happened when he faced off against Rudy Gobert in that series. Um. Wait, it, it. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. He, he, he's not crazy for asking for what he's asking for. Um, so I don't know who he'll probably be back. What does he have? He has an option for this year. Uh, no, he's a restricted free agent, so he can um sign his qualifying offer. Right, right, right. And play on his qualifying offer for one year, and then um. And, and then, then test the market. Yeah, unrestricted, and then be unrestricted next year, yep. or they could come to some sort of agreement. Yeah. So or would, he could go somewhere else, one of the few places that has money, to go try to get a max offer and force Houston to max it, yeah. or to match it. So, I mean, you know, I'm sure they feel like it's a lock. They're very confident he'll be back. But, you know, you got to think, what's the, how long of a run are they really trying to make at this? Because they don't have any money. A lot of people think they're going to try and deal Harden after next year. So, Who said that? I've seen it a couple places that I, I mean want names. that this I is want a, names. that this is a short window, um, and you got to wonder, you know, how far you can get with a James Harden, even though he's the MVP. Uh, but I don't, you know, we could get to that a little bit later. Rockets are weak; they are not the team. Chris Paul, he need to slow <laughs> up on that running back talk because I don't know if that's what you want. Um. Especially when you' about to be catching them boogie picks <laughs> next year in the, play, in the playoffs. So yeah, Keith, you, you still with us? Oh yeah, we with you. So, what are your thoughts on these uh, the Houston Rockets off season? I mean, I don't know. Uh, I just I'm just so frustrated because. You know, I'm thinking that, you know, at the beginning of this offseason that it's going to be, you know, another showdown, you know, before this whole DeMarcus Cousins, you know, situation happens. Um, and then they 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 don't re-sign Trevor Ariza. So I'm just like, oh, God, here we go. Uh, P.J. Tucker was definitely a valuable piece. However, mm-hmm. um, Trevor Ariza did bring a level of, you know, shooting, even though he was very absent in the important games uh, against the Warriors, uh, to me at least. Um, I just feel like, though, 
I feel like the reason why they are passing on Mbute and passing on Ariza is to try to bring in Melo. Now, of course, I agree with you guys. It doesn't necessarily give them a championship edge. It just gives you a guy who can potentially create some shots, um, you know, a little bit better than Trevor Reza could. Um, you know, his catch and shoot ability was not great in OKC. I watched him put up a ton of bricks. Um, and again, of course, we, we're talking about a system that uh, probably didn't favor Melo because, um, I mean, again, Russell Westbrook's there. Um, so it's got to take, it's got to be a special individual to be able to gel with a guy like Russell Westbrook putting up 50 shots a game. Um, uh, I mean, Paul George shoots the ball extremely better than Russell Westbrook does. And Westbrook still took way more shots. So, um, Keith, Keith, I never knew how big a, a Russ Westbrook fan you were I mean, until he here really tonight. Listen, I like, like I like watching Russ play. Like, he is a freak of nature, honestly. I just don't think, like, he needs, he to, take, he needs to take a lot less shots, um, honestly. You know, his mid-range game is decent. But to me, you know, you got guys like Paul George who can really light it up. Um, you got to make sure you're finding these guys who can who can really put the ball in, in the rim. Now, of course, who, attack. Who are the other guys? Well, I mean, Paul George was was about the, Andre Roberson. <laughs> definitely not Roberson. Um, but uh, I mean, of course, you know that's why they brought in Carmelo too. You know, to give another scoring option at that point. At that point, at least. So I just think Westbrook needs to take a lot less at least mid-range and three-point jump shots and attack, you know, kind of similar to LeBron. Like, at some points, I'm like, LeBron, dude, you're you're the best slasher in the game. Just get to the rim. Um, so um, that's, even, that's neither here nor there. But um, I think, yeah, at the end of the day, I think that they're, they, they did all of that because they feel like they can get mellow and they can get mellow cheap, um, especially with him having a buyout. So... That's just the way I view it right now. Like, man, they have to feel like they're going to get mellow if they're making the moves they're making and then not re-signing Bob Mute. So. Hey. I, I, uh, I would like to think Daryl Morey is smarter than, than that. I mean, what made that, that Rockets team great was the versatility, def- was the defense, really. I mean, the offense was... You know, you're going to get have that kind of offense when you have James Harden and Chris Paul, but they had all these guys that could spread the floor, didn't mind doing the dirty work, and you didn't have to run plays for them. Um, and that was kind of the beauty of that team, and I think what allowed them to push Golden State the way they did. But, man, that's that's a tough that's a tough sell for me. Thank, thank you for Carmelo Anthony's answer. Thank you for breaking that down, too, because I can see it now. Yeah, I listen to the 3-1, and... One and those guys said Houston doesn't stand a chance because they're missing the incredible talents of Trevor Reza. It's, <laughs> it's, it's about fit, people. It's about, it about, it's, fit, about working the, it's, a, it's about working the system with three and D guys that are switch capable, versatile enough, you know, to to make not only make those guys work on the defensive end. Uh, but also to stick with guys and try and try and stop what Golden State is doing. It's interesting, Malcolm. I'm curious. We went into this offseason seeing who was going to make the right moves to rival Golden State, and it seems like the only the only team that was really a rival to Golden State took a step back. So, yep. absolutely. Is there anybody who's rivaling Golden State as of right now? Well, here's Boston. Here, the yeah. interesting part of this is that. I, I think in well if we if we look at the West, we'll start in the West. If we're assuming Oklahoma City gets rid of Carmelo Anthony, I think they could be that team. Um Ooh. they've got guys like they've got teams like our players like Roberson, they got Grant, Northern's Noel, uh, Noel yeah. guys that could switch, that are athletic, um, that are gonna do those I mean, I, Andre Roberson doesn't wanna shoot. No one wants him to shoot. So he's just going to go out there and give everything he has on the defensive end. And then you have him guarding the primary or the best offensive player, Paul George guarding the second best, and you have a really good defense. Um, Not even to talk about Noel, Jeremy Grant, um, Steven Adams at the post. Um, That's a team that immediately looks a lot more interesting. 
um, honestly, it op- it <laughs> as weird as this sounds, it opens up the Lakers as a as somewhat of a contender in Utah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, a weekend Houston. I mean, I'm looking at that Houston roster now. It's not nearly as they weren't deep to start off with. They're, now they're not going to be nearly as deep. Um, and Utah is going to have a full year of Gobert, hopefully another year Donovan Mitchell, a team that really. Um, can get after it defensively as well and has some versatile defenders. Um, Dante Exum showed some great um, skill against James Harden last year in the playoffs. Yeah. And then, Don't I mean, Grayson LeBron Allen. is on the Lakers. Yeah, and Grayson Allen's going to be a great piece for them. Um, if for he can keep his head on straight I mean, and not do stupid things like he's still in college. Yeah, he, he, as long as he doesn't go full Draymond, we're good. Just go a little Draymond. <laughs> Just a little Draymond. Cuss the reps out. You can definitely get uh, away with that. That's for sure. but and then the other i mean the the big question mark is we really don't know how good this lakers team is going to be nope um is there a deal that they try to make before the season starts or during the season um do they try to make a move for a superstar do these guys they brought in fit in well enough i mean they really are building a team that is built to defend um and have multiple playmakers um so I mean, LeBron is always going to be LeBron. If you put the right cast, the, the biggest thing is if you put the right cast around him, he can elevate a group. Yeah. Um, and especially if you've got players like Rondo, you've got guys, I can't even, I don't even want to name other people on the roster because it's going to get depressing. But um, I appreciate that you I mentioned mean, Rondo, though. Yes, he's <laughs> the only one that I could confidently name out loud without laughing. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean... It, it definitely leaves a void, and I think the other teams in the West, even Minnesota, if they can figure out what's going on in their locker room, um, I would even, I mean, if the Kawhi situation was going on in San Antonio, that would be a team I would look at as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 leaving a big void after Golden State, and Golden State could even possibly even stronger if, if DeMarcus Cousins shows anything, so it's... It's a. I, I agree with Keith. This is a little frust. This is really frustrating because you were thinking Houston could really push them, but yep. they're losing two of the key pieces that made them that team. Yep. And yeah, signing man. Carmelo Anthony just doesn't. Again, even though he's a scorer, like it doesn't help you against Golden State because he cannot yeah. guard hardly any of those guys uh, in their starting five. So it is. It's extremely frustrating, I honestly. Mean, in the regular season, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. But in the playoffs, you play in a, a seven-game series against Golden State. They're just going to target him yep. until he can't until he can't be on the court, and then that kills the little bit of depth that they have. I mean, so. I'm just trying to think yeah, like man. of their starting lineup. You know, CP3, you know, Harden. Do they go PJ Tucker and Carmelo, and 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 then Clint Capella if they get him? Is that their starting five? <sighs> um. Who was their starting five last year? Uh, you had who's their four? I know Ariza. Was it? it was Ariza, Harton, Paul, um, Capella. But who was their four? Oh. Was it PJ? Was it PJ? No, I, I don't think PJ. I felt like I some games he started it last year. I mean, it could have been in the playoffs because um, um, Umba Mute was hurt last year. Yeah. Um, man, I can't remember. I'm drawing a blank. Um, Ryan Anderson wasn't starting. I don't think it, if you guys ever this is has nothing to do with anything. But if you ever want to laugh, go look at the nicknames under players in uh, Basketball Reference. It is there are some random nicknames for Melo on there. <laughs> <laughs> like what? I I don't have it pulled up, but I think one of them was like Sweet Melon. It's weird. I don't oh know. my goodness! Oh, Nene was their starter for a while. Who? Nene. Oh, Nene. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, Nene. Oh man. Um, but I think he's. I think he's a free agent, and I don't think he's coming back. Anyway, so um, so there are some interesting restricted free agents. We talked about Clint Capella. Um, here's the list of the most um remarkable ones: uh, Marcus Smart, yep, uh, Jabari Parker, Montrez Harrell, and Rodney Hood. Which one of these guys is the biggest surprise that he's still on the board? Gotta be Capella. Well, other than Capella, because we already talked about Capella. Uh, for me, for me, it's that fiery young guard from Boston. Because um, I do think, <laughs> I do think he brings he brings something uh, to a team that 
you know, it's about passion. He's an energy type of player. He can make some shots every now and again. He's not the most consistent scorer, um, but he brings a level of energy and um, and passion to the game that, you know, some of these teams would need, um, especially with his ability to defend. Um so Smart's going to be an interesting one for me. Um, I would have said Jabari Parker, but you just don't know with all of his ACL, you know, injuries and all yeah. of that. Like that's that's really a question mark. So to me, um, it's Marcus Smart, um, and I am going to be very interested to see um, if any other teams, you know, offer him something to where you know Boston, you know, may have to let him go because I think he's a pretty vital piece to that team, honestly, especially coming off the bench. Um, you know, he can come in. I mean, you, he hits two, three shots. You know, all of, you know, um, Boston's arena is going nuts. Um, he's that type of player. So um, so I'm watching for him for sure. Yeah, I would um, just looking at the list. I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm not too surprised about Marcus, you know, not being. I knew that it would be a while before somebody really rolled the dice. Jabari, uh Prosthetic legs, Parker. I'm not, I'm not surprised at him either. Just, I mean, that injury history is always going to get you. Um, and I feel for him, man, because I know he was really hyped up. I never got on the Jabari train, and that Jabari train never really left the station. And uh, and that's it's always tough when there's injuries, man. Shouts out to Jabari. I want you to do well. I'm actually surprised, and don't. <laughs> I'm surprised that the NBA Finals assassin Rodney Hood oh God. Oh is still on, God. is still on here. Now hear me out, hear me out. Not because he had this brilliant season, because he definitely had the opposite. But uh, but I'm I'm surprised because his his fit with Cleveland clearly wasn't well. It wasn't a good fit. It was not a uh, beneficial uh, situation for him to be in. Then some of the choices he made didn't help. Um, you know, his cries for attention, him, you, him trying you mean to like not you mean like pulling a Derrick Rose in the middle of a game and not wanting to play anymore? <laughs> definitely, definitely. He did, <laughs> he did everything short of contemplating his future career. But um I do think, you know, a team you gotta recognize that talent. Um Rodney Hill was shaping up to be a, a guy who you were wondering if he could if he could shoulder his own team. Um, no, you know, those there's there's a lot of offensive talent there. <laughs> no, and him, yeah, be, yeah, and that's a little blasphemous. Him that's be, a little. That's not, no, no, no. Okay, okay. Crazy. I I think for for a moment there he was showing flashes of whether or not he would take that next step into stardom. You know, he was he's not a star. He wasn't he wasn't close to being a star. He didn't really have room to develop <laughs> into one. And I think that's why it was important for Utah to get him out of there. Um, because they weren't really looking for guys who were trying to be stars. Um, and I, Cleveland wasn't doing any better. So uh, now that he's in this situation, I'm, I'm surprised that you don't see a small market team or something like that. Tina needs a scoring punch to try and put Rodney in a situation where he could give you 20, 20 plus. Um, and if not that, we're talking about the Houstons of the world and things like that who uh, don't, they don't have any space. All right, but I'm just saying, you know, for people who need uh, a legitimate scoring t- scoring threat, uh, who I don't know about Rodney's defense, you know, it's not turning heads, but it f- apparently it's decent. So he was, I don't he was, know. He's supposed I to be a good some, defender. You said what? He's he's one of those guys that's supposed to be a good defender, but yeah, the numbers yeah. don't actually bear that out. So I mean, you know, I'm 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 expecting to hear his his name soon. Uh, from what I heard before, Cleveland would be trying to match that offer, but why? I don't know. I, I, I think Cleveland's in the space where they need to be trying to shave off talent and get worse. Keep Jordan Clarkson. Do that. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, from here on. I expect Rodney Hood's number to be called. I got you, Rodney. I got you, man. Well, I think eventually all these guys, at a minimum, will sign will sign uh qualifying offers and, and go back to free agency next year. But the big the surprise for me is actually Montrez Harrell. Um, and when I think when um, he was a player that probably got hurt the most by DeMarcus Cousins um, taking the deal he did 
and by um, DeAndre Jordan going to Dallas because Dallas was probably a team that was be very interested in a guy like Harold who kind of fits the modern NBA, athletic, quick on the switches, can play four, the four or the five, um, really showed great potential in L.A. with the Clippers on mm-hmm. the, just an aggressive rebounder, great in the pick and roll, finishing over the top, and um, you know still developing as a player. Um, you know, like I said, I think most of these guys will just end up signing their qualifying offer and going back um, to where they are. I, I think Capella's going to get. I think Houston's going to have to end up paying him because if they go into this year with him on the qualifying offer, he may not come back um, next year on the open market. So we'll we'll see. There's still some um, interesting free agents still available. Jamal Crawford's still available. The Brinks truck, Isaiah Thomas, is still Good out there slow IT. grinding his way. He's on the way, man. Um, he got caught in traffic. <laughs> uh, Wayne Ellington, um, one of the best shooters in the, in the league last year, is still available. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see where he lands. Uh, but we're going to pivot a little bit towards Summer League. Um, it's been actually really, I've been really engrossed in watching a lot of these games. And kind of the first thing that popped out to me um, was was the struggles of Trey Young in Atlanta. Uh, they obviously made that deal um, to trade up and get him instead of Luka Doncic in the first round. Mm. Um, and he has struggled a lot with his shot. Now, saying all that, he did hit seven threes tonight in their summer league game. Um, it looked really good. But prior to that, he really struggled. So do you guys see this carrying over into the season? Um, obviously, it, it's, it's summer league. It's different. It's a different level of competition. But uh, how do you guys see this kind of hanging over Trey Young's head um, coming into the season? I think it's going to take Trey a while, um, just because you know in college you know he was getting whatever shot he wanted, um, you know throwing up Steph Curry ish type shots, and of course let's let's be real, the man can shoot, um, but yeah. I just don't. I think it's going to take him some time. It took Steph a little bit of time. Um, to to get into where he is now. And the reason why I say Steph is because that's the type of game he has offensively. He's a smaller guard who can, you know, try to create shots off the dribble. Um, But that's why, you know, if it were me, I would have liked Colin Sexton before Trey Young in the draft. And um, uh, just because Colin Sexton brings a different type of game where he can really to me, do a little bit more without having to shoot the ball and be a good defender, be a consistent mid-range shooter, which, you know, I, I'm really, I've really liked, you know, some of the things I've seen from college Sexton in summer league thus far, um, you know, giving the Cavs, you know, a glimmer of any type of hope without LeBron um, for their future. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know about Trey yet. That's why I would, you know, back when we did our draft, uh, which if you guys haven't listened to, go back and take a listen to who we thought your team should have gotten. Um, that is a shameless plug. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, Trey's it's going to take some time. Uh, so nothing, nothing surprising yet. I think you'll have some games where he may go off for 20, 30 points, but I don't think it'll be consistent. Um, so that's what I see. Yep. I mean, I got to agree for the most part. You know, this is a case of, you know, Trey is who we thought he was. You know, it was going to be some <laughs> some up nights, going to be some down nights. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 20, 24 points, five assists, I'll take that from him. You know, if that's what he's given. Uh, those are great numbers for somebody this young. And, yes, it's in summer league play, so we won't get excited. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's good to see improvement. I think that's, that's the thing that you're looking for. Um, from what I saw, his shot selection was a little bit better. He looked to be forcing things a little bit less than those first uh, few first couple games. Um, you know, some of the passing was very, very encouraging. Um, and even in the beginning, you know, he was hitting shots in the first quarter, but uh, they were still behind, uh, playing pretty poor defense. And so, it was good to see them turn up from there. So, I I don't know how many years before we see um, um, Trey Young become what it is that I think his name is currently carrying. Uh, it's not going to be a LeBron James situation. And the, the hype is nowhere near LeBron. 
But what I'm saying is I don't think it's going to be a situation where he comes in and he impresses right away. But if he can come in and sustain a level uh, uh, of play that's decent, and if he can improve incrementally, um, you know, until maybe his third or fourth year and then break out, I think that's that's a successful arc for him. I hope he's, you know, I just hope somebody's in his ear, you know, helping him not try to do everything at once. Because, you know, for whatever reason, from tournament till now, his name kind of bore a lot of pressure. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge for him is just going to be physically keeping up with the demands of the NBA, especially on defense. Um, but I think once he kind of gets into his pro body, the shots are going to fall. You can see the playmaking ability. Yeah, you don't you don't lead college basketball in points and assists by accident. Um, and it, you know he may even be a better pro player than he was a college player because his team was pretty bad. There were no NBA prospect any NBA prospects on o- Oklahoma's roster last year. Um, but uh, you, you obviously want to see him play better in the summer, but um, I think the sky is still a limit. He still has some room to grow. I would not have made the trade for him, but, um, you know, if you like a guy and you think he fits what you're trying to do, why not take a shot on him? So there's that. Um, so we're going to do a little Cavs fan special, talk about these new-look Cavs uh, led by Colin Sexton. I got to watch a little bit of some summer league action with uh, Ian this weekend, we got to see the SETI Osman <laughs> era begin. Watching fadeaways, step backs, and crossover dribbles and isos for SETI. Yeah, man. Ian, how are you feeling about these new look calves? I am excited. We're about to raise up the new banner uh, in the place that we took down LeBron's, and it's going to be an Osman poster as <laughs> as he's ready to take over responsibility. No, it's it's cool. It's um, it's great to see uh, him taking on that responsibility. You know, he is Jeff Van Gundy's favorite player for a reason. I I really do think, um, especially given what he's done in Turkey and and how he's seen success, um, uh, on a couple different levels, uh, around the world. I expect a big year from uh, from him. But Ante Zizic, Good to see him playing some good ball. I'll be honest, I was very outspoken about how unhappy I was that Teron Lou was not giving them valuable run in some of these playoff games. But, hey, maybe they knew something that we didn't. Maybe he just was not developed enough. Uh, but, you know, seeing some uh, some 20-point outputs from him, I think he's averaging like 20.5 points and 12-plus and rebounds. Um, in the first, you know, couple outings uh, in yeah. summer league, and so that's pretty good stuff. And uh, I got it, Colin. I like what I'm seeing, uh, but I'm just waiting on the sample size. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time summer league is over, I think I'll be able to 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 gauge what's going on a little bit better. Um, and then it's intriguing just thinking about them getting plugged in with the other pieces that are on the Cavs roster now. Uh, the more I watch them, the more I hope that the veteran presence on the team that's there now is gone. Um, you know, not all of them. Of course, you're going to have some vets in that locker room that help them get acclimated. But uh, your Kevin Loves, um, those guys, Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith, you know, think what you want about them. But guys who have been winning, have grown accustomed to winning, um, and might still want to win and be in a contention setting, um, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that they transition those guys out and let these young guys wrap their minds around getting better at the game and eventually lead in the Cavaliers organization. So I am I'm very impressed. Uh, Billy Preston as well um, playing some playing some good ball. So I'm feeling good. Mm. Keith, I'm gonna ask you a question about Colin Sexton. What role do you see him playing on the Cavs next year? Um, obviously George Hill is the incumbent starter. Um, so what role do you see Colin playing, um, once the season begins? You know, I was thinking about that, Malcolm, and I honestly don't know yet. Um, because I think he will have some attributes that will, you know, um, warrant him being a starter. Um, now George Hill, of course, you know, we've seen some good things from George Hill in the NBA finals. We've seen some bad things from George Hill in the NBA finals. Um, and, um, I think, I think Colin brings a certain level of energy. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Cavs try to deal George Hill 
um, just to say, listen, we're buying into Colin, um, you know, with him being that starting point guard and then rolling with that, um, depending on what market's available for George Hill. You know, um, there may mm-hmm. be some teams out there who may want a George Hill for a, another, you know, potential off the bench type of point guard or even some for starters. But I think I think Cleveland's going to have to, you know, now, of course, I agree with Ian, you know, after looking at what he's going to be able to do during, you know, training camp and, you know, uh, the you know, first few games of preseason and regular season. But I think Colin Sexton could be a guy that, you know, takes over, you know, midway through the season, uh, depending on his play. So, um, I mean, with a guy who can create, with a guy who can, you know, knock down some decent mid-range uh, jump shots, uh, I think probably a little bit more efficiently probably than George Hill probably would. Um, I think you begin to buy in. And so, like, to Ian's point, if you're going to begin to buy into the, the, this young core, I think that's where you started with, with, uh, with, with starting Colin um, and, and buying into him and, and some of the other guys. So that's my opinion. So real quick, um, what, you know, the Summer League, we have another week of Summer League to go. What teams and or players are you guys looking forward to seeing more of um, over the next week in Summer League? Uh, I'm definitely going to be watching a lot more Aaron Holiday. Hmm. Um, I like that yeah. kid. Um, mm-hmm. And just the, his approach, I just like the way he plays the game. Um uh, let me see. Honestly, uh, you know, I watched some Trey Young. I want to see some more of what Jaron Jackson has. Jaron Jackson for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm watching um, a little bit more uh, uh, DeAndre Ayton. Um, mm-hmm. I've liked some of the things that I have seen. Um, you know, and definitely was reading some some stories of what some people thought they seen from him early on. Um, so I'm def- because Phoenix could be very interesting with them getting him and with them picking up Trevor Reza, um, along with some of the, uh, young, young guys that they have. So, uh, Aiton for, for sure. Um, Jaron Jackson, um, and then Grayson Allen. Um, cause of course I think his first game or something like that, they, you know, already showed a video of him, you know, potentially pulling some of his old antics at Duke. Um, but I want to see what he does at this next level because I think he was a good scorer in college. And, you know, with this team that he's on, you know, he definitely could have an early impact, you know, if he really is, you know, coached well and if he grows up and matures and actually, uh, you know, acts like an adult. So, um, so yeah, <laughs> I, I'm very interested in, in Aiden and uh, – and Grayson Allen. Would you? Yeah. Not, I, uh, can I just ask uh, Keith? Would you not want to see him? Maybe even with all the talent and all the other intangibles that he brings, what if that? What if those antics? What if the, those things develop him into into the Draymond Green of the Jazz? What if it's on uh, a segue into him being that that annoying but all important glue guy? That brings that grit to that team, that grit that I think they, frankly, I think they need. Well, it's interesting because you got, you know, you got guys like Lance Stevenson, who's annoying as all get out. uh, But, but, you know, seems like the Pacers and now the Lakers, you know, clearly wanted him for, you know, for what he brings. Like, I can't stand Draymond Green. Like he, I probably like, I used to hate Joakim Noah, like the absolute most. And I think Draymond is the number one guy I hate the most in the NBA right now. Um, so I think it would be terrible for him just to be this, you know, this guy who does all these antics. You know, I'd rather him just, you know, play good basketball and, you know, but it may be more entertaining for the league if he is that antic guy, you know, of course, then that's all. The thing I hate is that that's, that's what you begin to hear all throughout the media. Like, all about, oh, well, this, you know, showing videos of what he did at Duke and now translating it now to the NBA. Like, I just don't want to deal with that. Um, so, I don't know. It, it could be good for entertainment purposes for the league, but I would hate to see it, honestly. What for, Michael? 
the I'm looking forward to seeing the um a couple teams. The New York Knicks are really like their young guys. Kevin Knox looks really good, really yeah, athletic, right. so long. Yeah, good shooting stroke. Um, I like their young guys. Um, I think Frank Nilakina is going to come into his own. He's still only, I believe, he just turned twenty, um, and he's still such a great defensive player. Um, I also like, um, I believe his name is Dwayne Dotson. He's a good shooter on the perimeter. Um, those guys are kind of a good young core to build around moving forward. Um, had the opportunity to watch the um, San Antonio Spurs between. Lonnie Walker, who they drafted, who looks every bit um, as good of a, a player coming out of college, who could put the ball on the floor, shoot a little bit, and kind of does those those uh, the little bit of the dirty work for you. With him, uh, Derek White, who's a point guard who actually looks very similar to George Hill, can shoot the ball lights out, has good size. Um, I think the Spurs have, have a couple good guys that they can build around moving forward. Um and going to help them, could possibly even help them this year. Um, and I actually like some of the Charlotte uh, Hornets young guys, Miles Bridges coming out of Michigan State, who they drafted. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a great fit for them down the road. Um, Dwayne Bacon, who they've got, a second-round pick, who looks to be like a guy who will be able to contribute. Um, and then they were able to get to Devontae Graham from Kansas, um, who if you've watched any college basketball, you've seen Devontae Graham show up in big moments for Kansas. Yep. He was a part of some of those really good Kansas teams over the last couple of years, and they were able to get him in the second round. And he looks like a guy that could stick around and be a solid rotation player. So those are just some of the guys. Um, but it's so good to see these young guys get an opportunity to play, the guys that you've heard about in the draft. Yep. If not this year, then in previous years. Um, it's good to see that. And, and hopefully these guys continue to grow and put, and put on a good show. Yep. I guess, uh, I don't know, same question kind of comes to mind, Malcolm. Like, when you see the talent that they have, do you want to see those guys you mentioned from the Knicks, do you want to see them develop around a Chris Tops, or do you want to see them in their own office? Do you want to see uh, Miles Bridges and those guys in Charlotte develop around Kimball Walker, or, you know, would you would you rather see them move? Do you believe that those teams would benefit more from tearing it down and letting those guys develop on their own? Um, two different answers. The next, yes, I would love to see them develop around Kristaps. Um, the the Hornets, I think they need to figure out what direction they're going in because they're kind of a mixture of two teams right now with Kemba Walker and Batum, Tony Parker, who they just picked up. These are win-now guys but now you have these really young guys that you're trying to develop. And uh, they're, I don't think they're close to contending or being really good. Yeah. Um, so I think they need to look at getting what they can get for their for their more established players. But that's easier said than done, um, especially with players on the last year of the contract like Kemba Walker. Um, so it's it's tough. I, I do not envy the position that Michael Jordan and the, and the Hornets are in with, with them. Yeah, bro. See you in L.A., Kimba. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. Is that is that a prediction, Keith? Uh, potentially. Potentially. <laughs> well, they got Rondo there, so... Uh... Well, yeah, but Rondo could definitely come off that bench, you know, especially if Lonzo and LeVar and... Oh, God. We're going to see how this, this upcoming season is going to go. Uh, yeah, man. I know the height is an issue, but Kimba, too... No. It's a dangerous proposition. No. No, 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 no. no. Nope. Okay. Mm. Okay. He, 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 might, he might turn around turn out be like Lou Williams. Okay, here, here, here's what I'll say. Do you want Kimber Walker guarding, guarding Clay Thompson? Absolutely. Get in them pockets, okay. Kimber. Good night. Okay, all right. Uh, Ian's had a stroke. This is not <laughs> – he's not oh, well. <laughs> Get him, Kimber. <laughs> So it's almost the end of our show, and you know how we like to end it with our parting words. Let's start with Keith. Give us your parting words for tonight. Um, shout out to the NFL P, uh, Players Association, um, who you know files this this grievance against this terrible uh, anthem policy. You know, hopefully something is done. We I don't have a whole lot of hope, um, but it would be great to see. 
you know, the players really stand uh, with one another together uh, to try to bring change. So, uh, so yeah, shout, shout out to them. Um, for Malcolm Jenkins from the Ohio State University. So I thought I'd throw that out there, um, trying to lead the pack. But, um, but yeah, we, we, we need some change for sure. So, Absolutely. Ian, your parting words. Hey, man, I'm going to shout out uh, Adam Silver, uh, who did something that I believe uh, those guys on the 3-in-1 podcast mentioned. Um, just in talking about free agency next year, talked about moving it, uh, moving it so that it's kinder to television audiences and primetime viewers. Uh, and at this point, I mean, you know, hey, make free agency a spectacle. You know, there's a lot of fireworks that flew this year. Uh, the drama is compelling. I lived in my phone for about three days there. So, you know, move it to prime time. You know, make the deadline something that uh, everybody can watch on live TV. And uh, why not stream some more revenue? I'd rather see them do that than that terrible award show that they put oh, on uh, a couple weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, my parting words are going to go to the GOAT, the greatest soccer player of all time, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yo. Taking his talents, leaving Real Madrid is going to, I'm sorry for all of our soccer fans who are going to hear me butcher this name, Juventus? Juventus? That's what I'm going to go with. Um, making that change in his career. Um, it's kind of late career move, but he is as I have clearly stated, the best soccer player of all time. Um, I've never seen anyone as dominant for as long as he's been. Shout out to him. I hope and pray for more success for him um, as he goes over to the Italian League. And you know what? I, I, I would love to see him make that move over to the MLS so I could see him play here in the States. Um, a little, little shameless pledge for the MLS. We're getting a lot of stars coming over and playing soccer in America. Come on, Cristiano. Just just play a couple years. Love to see you come over here and dominate. Um, man, Malcolm with the today. soccer reference. I see you, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I gotta I gotta diversify. Everybody's talking about major sports and stuff. I gotta break it up. <laughs> so that's a that's another episode of the Three and One Podcast. Joining us from Cleveland, Ohio, Ian Lamont Morgan and Colin We Trust. Not really, but yeah. <laughs> in Cincinnati it's Keith Turner Jr ah uh, the thing will still stink oh well it's all good <laughs> and in Columbus it's your boy Malcolm Morgan thank you for listening to the 3 in 1 podcast we'll see you all next time peace peace